everybody and welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. Uh, today I've got a great guest with me. I've got the host of Monkey Tennis. Yes. Hello, Tom. Hello. I am Tom Dark, not Tom Stab from Monkey Tennis. I That's can't right. stress that enough. It's very important to make that distinction. Am I right in saying that you're the host of Monkey Tennis? Ye- yes, Jed, that is correct. So I'm uh, glad you brought that up. There's been a lot of speculation over the... Because the other uh, three guys have been on and they've all claimed to be the host of Monkey Tennis. Imitators. <laughs> yeah. So when you came up with the idea for Monkey Tennis, mm, the mm. Alan Partridge podcast, um, just, just talk us through that story. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was an idea that came to me a couple of years ago that uh, I thought, you know, we're a bunch of uh, four great mates with a mutual love of Alan Partridge, and I just thought we should just take this to the podcast format. It's kind of That's made fine. for that. It's that, you know, that kind of that. I, I like that podcast approach where you basically have a group of mates sat around a table. Yeah. It's the same as they could just be down the pub talking shit about the show that they like. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's very much my idea. So that's that's my idea for that podcast that I am the host of. <laughs> that's Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Seriously though, um, <laughs> who who? I mean, it's, it's a great format. Obviously, the format was stolen from Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, some people have said that, but uh, I couldn't possibly agree. Mostly me, um, but genuinely, it's one of the most popular TV and film podcasts in the in the UK, and it's mm. there for a reason. Actually uh, true. Unbelievably, yeah, actually unbelievably true. so. Well, we're sitting right next to a framed, a gold-framed picture of the first time we hit the top, top of the charts. So I'm the, the producer of Monkey Tennis, by the way. Um, yeah, so like when we hit the top of the charts, you guys came to me and you gave me a, a framed golden picture. It's like your own, your own plaque, your own disc for That's, platinum sales. That's number one in the iTunes chart above... Uh, Desert Island Discs, no such thing as a fish. Friday night comedy podcast. Yeah, I made a mayo. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty good going. And I mean, a lot of people they they ask me how do I get into podcasts? How do you make a podcast? And what would you say is the the best tip for someone if they're because people want to make podcasts now? That's yeah. What would you say is the best way for people to get started or like to even find a subject to kind of talk about? If people were to come to me and say, "How do I make a podcast?" Yeah. The answer is. You just make a podcast. (laughs) It's literally that simple. Like, if you want to do it, just... I think as long as you've got a good idea that, like, people are going to be invested in, it doesn't matter whether it's going to be 20 people that Mm -hmm. like the idea or 2,000 people. Yeah. It's as long as the idea is good and you know it's going to cater for for some kind of audience, then it will work. And, you know, you don't even need that much tech to make it happen. I mean, obviously, the post-pop studios that we're in here (laughs) are exceedingly luxurious. Um, But, I mean, you could literally just sit around a laptop... Yeah, or even your phone, like an iPhone. Yeah, you could literally yeah. sit around an iPhone. I mean, you can get GarageBand on iPhone now, yeah. can't you? So, yeah, I mean, you literally just, you could do it with what's in your pocket. Yeah. So, uh, but don't do that if you're thinking about a film and TV podcast, because we're quite enjoying being behind the charts. <laughs> yeah. So, just do that. Um, and um, you, the the Monkey Tennis podcast, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, is it's kind of taken a life on its own, because I think I've said it before in, in, in the actual show, I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. I genuinely didn't. <laughs> good to know like, you got your faith in us, said, yeah. Thanks very much. I was like, this is, this is a good side, little, little side thing. Um, but yeah, it's just taken on a life of its own. We've done like a bunch of live shows. Mm. Um, we've done yeah, some random yeah. ones at I mean, Warner's. I mean, I think, to be honest, it's it's been more successful than any of us ever imagined but i think again that's where it comes down to the idea and the content because you know we're we're doing something that is about a a devotion or, or a mutual kind of uh love and enjoyment of some would say obsession. Arguably, <laughs> uh, 
but arguably like the most successful comic creation that, that British sitcoms or British comedy has ever had. It's yeah. like when you look about the fact that he as a character has existed for over 25 years in all these different formats, yeah. you, you kind of go, there, there, there is kind of like, there's this gold mine of content to talk about there. So yeah, I, th- I think that's what it works. And I mean, getting Simon Green, who played Michael the Geordie on last year was just an absolute highlight. You know, to I have think that's one of the, the highlight of down. Yeah. the pod, the Michael And he was podcast. hilarious as well. Like, he was he, so good. Mental. He really, he, but like he really got it. You know, he understood that it was coming from a, from a place of fandom and kind of like celebration. Yeah. Um, so I think he had a really good time coming down. But, yeah, because um, we did a live show at the Prince yeah. Charles Cinema in London's Leicester Square. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, the first half of the show was talking about um, Anna Partridge. But the second part was Simon Green or Michael the Geordie coming up and being batshit insane in the Pretty best much. way possible. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and, I'm, and taking a piss out of Nick as well. So that, that was, was great. Yeah. I loved being on the sidelines and watching you guys panic because you had a live audience in front of you and he was taken over, taken into a direction, <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. into a weird direction that none of you guys w- w- ever fathomed. Um, and that was into the seafaring kind of uh, side of things. Well, that that was to do with a list of uh, um, historical figures that Nick had talked through earlier, which I'm not sure how much sense it really made in the context of anything, really. Why is Nick always talking about the sea oh, and people I mean, being buried at sea? If it, I mean, he's obsessed with Megatron he's for a start. obsessed with Megatron, yeah. Um, I'm sure he's listening. Hi, Nick. Uh, yes. So that, anyway, it was funny because he went off on a tangent. I was like, oh God, he, he hates this. He's just talking about any old shit. So we yeah. didn't have to talk to him. But actually, it was just, there was a good gag to it. There was a good payoff to it. So it was it was all fine. And we're all still great mates. Yeah. So yeah. And on the subject of monkey tennis, there's a new series coming up. There and I is. should know because I edited it all in one big <laughs> you, massive you, you go. You sat in a room with us whilst you did it. Uh, yeah, so I can exclusively reveal, although it's not really exclusive because we have already put this out on the monkey tennis socials. Yep. But yeah, our new series of Alan... Uh, episodic celebration uh, will like start next week so yep. next Wednesday that's 7th of March awesome uh, we've got a new series which is first couple of weeks we're delving into all the various feedback that we've had from uh, you know across. quite self-indulgent but I like it those are my favourite episodes I, I enjoy those and yeah. I mean to be fair it's good because a lot of people are pulling us up on things we've got wrong and inaccuracies yeah. which is quite a lot of that yeah. um, and also people coming up with like quite interesting theories about characters and kind of like plot lines and just kind of yeah. where the character might go in the future so they're always quite a lot of fun there's quite a lot of speculation we can do with those yeah so yeah we've got a couple of those episodes and then we are covering mid-morning matters series one so it was awesome. it was a lot of fun it was really good um and that's going on for a little while isn't it how many episodes is that's that that's gonna be i think that's about a seven week run wow and uh yeah we've got a couple of extra uh surprises in store yes uh, a couple of announcements to make uh, but all i can really say if you want to know more you're going to have to just keep your eye on the monkey tennis socials and probably listen to the monkey tennis podcast yeah. so so right now if you if you're not subscribed then what are you doing uh go ahead right now click on monkey tennis on the yep. front page of itunes podcast yes that's Luckily, true under yeah. uh binge worthy it's a binge-worthy podcast on the iTunes homepage. It is. It'll drive you uh, mental so if, you, you, if can, you did binge it, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that. mental. But, uh, yeah, you can go and subscribe to that whilst you're listening to this. You don't yeah. need to stop this podcast from no, playing no. to go and find Never it. Never stop it. Uh, and yeah, if you're interested in more, we've got a Facebook, we've got a Twitter, we've got an Instagram. We're, we're, we're everywhere. So yeah. it's uh, at the Partridge Pod on Twitter, slash the Partridge Pod on Facebook, at Monkey Tennis Pod on Instagram, and, uh, yeah. 
Okay. So, yeah, just get involved. And don't worry, we'll come back to those links at the end as well. So uh, let's get on. <laughs> but this to... isn't an episode of Monkey Tennis. So no, I'm, I can't no, because I'm yeah. speaking a lot if it is. Yeah. Um, I, I have one word in, in, in every episode of Monkey Tennis. Usually I have at least one word. Yeah. The new series, I'm speaking quite a lot, aren't I? Yeah, we're going to have to have words about I that. I have to edit it all out. out yeah. But uh, yeah, if you're listening to this thinking... I like this podcast, but Jed talks too much. Then maybe Monkey Tennis is the podcast for you. It's the one for you. Um, and I think that's why it's the top of the chart, because I don't speak very yes, much. I think so. um, okay, so let's go on to format. This is a film and TV recommendation show. Uh, how it works is we go one at a time, uh, recommending our favourite things that are possibly a little bit underrated, underseen. Um, and it's our way of giving you the option to sit back and let us recommend for you, because it's very hard. There's so much out there, so much content out there, Tom Dark. There is. I mean, uh, we have this constant discussion in the Monkey Tennis uh, WhatsApp group, yes. and people listening going, oh, bet they wish they were a part of that. Please don't find me like on WhatsApp. just always <laughs> adding stuff to the Netflix list. It's a yeah. never-ending, growing list. And you just go, and then what happens is you have hundreds of things on your Netflix list, and yeah. you go... I don't know what to watch. Exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so that's why this podcast is called What to Watch on Netflix. But it's not just about Netflix. It's about every streaming platform you can think of. So think of Amazon, Hulu, Shudder, YouTube, and um, anything else like that, really. Well, so uh, Daily Motion is quite good for, uh, let's say, illicit versions of TV yeah. shows. Oh, yeah. So, for example, if mm-hmm. you are going to listen to the Monkey Tennis episodes on Mid-Morning Matters, yep. you might find them on Daily Motion. Daily Motion's great. You know. And do you know why it's so good for TV shows? Because they never take anything down. Yeah, YouTube takes it down straight away, but Daily Motion keeps is that up. Because it, is it based in a? Is it not based it's in the French. UK? It's I think French. It's French. Yeah. yeah, they just don't care. Yeah, and I think in France it's more popular than YouTube. I think they use it a lot more. Mm. Um, okay, let's look on to format. My first choice of what to watch on Netflix. It's kind of in my wheelhouse. It's a film that was only recommended yesterday by a lady called Ruth on my Twitter. I said, to her, "Is there any like weird films I should be watching?" Because um, she actually helped with the promotion when I did Birdemic Two. So she's well into these type of things. So I wanted to find another. Oh, God, I'm already nervous about this. It's going to be great. Don't <laughs> worry. You're in, sa- you're in safe hands. Mm. Um, this film is called The Time Machine, and in brackets, I found at a yard sale. That's right. The Time Machine, I found at a yard sale from 2011. Yes, it's a classic. Yes, about five people have watched it. On IMDb, <laughs> it's got 1.4. Oh, God. <laughs> which is more than Birdemic 2. Why, okay. do you, why do you put yourself through it? I don't know. Because I, I kind of, I'm obsessed with people who have an obsession with getting films made. Because it, it feels a little bit like my story, even though my stuff is is a lot better than this, I, I like to think. Um, <laughs> but for people who have an idea for a film and then go ahead and make it, I, I, I just love that kind of like commitment, which is what, what drew me to like Birdemic. But this film is uh, a sci-fi film, which is great. Um, and it is also, even though it's only uh, one hour and 24 minutes long, it's probably the longest film I've ever watched in terms of lifespan that I've wasted. <laughs> and I was warned that this is potentially terrible, um, but I watched it anyway. Uh, so this film... And, and you enjoyed it. You loved it. F- certain aspects of it. I love that it was made. It's a terribly, terribly made film. And I can't work out if the director, who's also the star and writer, of course, like most of these things are, I can't tell if he's in on the joke or he's made a, f- a bad film on purpose. Or I, I don't know. Um, so this film, it starts off with um, a guy walking up to uh, some- the outside of someone's house and there's a yard sale going on. And I've recently been in America and I went to some yard sales, I went to estate sales and I, c- I kind of recognised 
set up. It's usually just like an old guy, maybe their partner's died or something. Sorry to get dark so soon, but they're just trying to get rid of their stuff on their on their doorstep so they can kind of move on. Um, and he basically sees this old man selling a bunch of junk, and he's like. And this guy is maybe in his like twenties. He says to this old guy, "What's that gold box there? Why why are you getting rid of this?" And the, and the script was terrible, by the way. This dialogue. So whatever I'm saying, think of it ten times worse. Right. So he says to this old guy, "What are you doing with that with that gold box on the pavement?" And the guy's like, "I'm selling it." He's like, "Oh wow, someone like that will cost like millions of pounds, right?" Like, no, seventeen pound. Like seventeen pound. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, seventeen pound just for you." It is the dialogue is. Is this bad. verbatim script? Almost, yeah. Um, <laughs> So he's like, but the guy's like, it's a special box and, and it's only meant to be for you and it's $17. So the guy buys it and then he takes it home and he sits on his kitchen table and then there's a 10 minute bit where the guy's slowly drinking some orange juice in his kitchen and then he finally gets to the box and uh, this golden box and then he kind of works out and I can't actually remember how he works out. Oh yeah, I know how he works out. He starts like, pressing the gold box and then his clock starts going backwards and forwards so he realises he's got a time machine on his hands here <laughs> of course naturally yeah so, so the first thing he did does it goes forward 20 minutes but you don't see anything that's changed just the clock goes forward 20 minutes and he goes okay that's done I'm going to go back to prehistoric times now so he so basically he dials back to like the like Jurassic period or something and he goes there and there's this weird cult they're all dressed in purple robes and there's this girl who i since like discovered that is the um she was meant to be the love interest right but if you're casting it doesn't matter how bad you film if you're casting for a love interest for a film you pick someone that maybe the audience might find attractive to this is going to sound terrible but <laughs> <laughs> carry on see see see, see the it through, see it through. Through, yeah. she isn't your classic leading lady okay um and mm. that's fine if you're a good actress as well. Yeah, fine, yeah. This girl is terrible. She's like a potato that's kind of <laughs> managed to learn how to speak and barely. Wow. Um, so, like, I was I was thinking, and she, can he meet sort of like, this can't be the love interest. And he's like, I'm from the future. Um, this is strange. And and she's like, oh, take me with you back to the future. And he's like, okay, then. And then, so she can understand like modern English, yeah. even though she's in prehistoric. That's times. true, and okay, like, like, the green screen work is terrible, by the way. There's, there's <laughs> lots of green screen going on, and like this is what, where, where it confuses me. So there's a time machine, but all of a sudden he gets he, he gets into a spaceship. He finds a spaceship or something, and what? then they they're in a spaceship going through space, taking them back to the future. It's so odd, and. Um, so it's not like this gold box doesn't turn into a spaceship or something? I don't think so, no. They kind of like forget about the time <clears> box <throat> thing, and all of a sudden they're in a spaceship going back and forth through time. Sure. But it's just the weirdest love story. And she has the most off-putting thing is, like, she gets to the present, and she's wearing this, like, terrible makeup. Um, she's like, oh, I need I need to kind of uh, get myself out of this, get myself into some modding gear. And she she comes back looking like, like she fell into a skip. <laughs> it is... <laughs> It's awful. Um, but there's something really endearing about people who don't know what they're doing and making a film. And I, I'm fascinated by things like this. Um, it, and it's available right now if you want to watch the whole thing, all hour and 24 minutes of it on YouTube. And it doesn't get any better than what I've, what I've said. Um, in fact, it's, it gets worse as it goes along. Um, and it's just really, really bizarre. It's directed and written and stars a guy called Stephen A. Sant. Um, and it is ridiculously bad. And what was that called again? It's called The Time Machine I Found at a Yard Sale. So, so, so I, I wonder with these kind of like low budget 
quite rubbish films. Yeah. Do you, do you think that since something like The Room has become such a such a cult classic, yeah. well, things like The Room and Birdemic probably. Yeah. Do, do you think a lot of directors are now deliberately making shit films because they hope that it can capture this kind of cult market? Yes, I, I do. There's quite um after Birdemic and and The Room. In fact, there are a lot of um, kind of filmmakers, especially student filmmakers, that are on purpose trying to make these kind of type, type mm. of things that play like the midnight movie like um kind of route and and it's you can tell it's fake you can kind of tell there's there's the sincerity isn't there and the the only way you can make a a good bad movie is if the director or the writer they're fully invested in it and they think it's good themselves if the director knows he's making a bad film then there's going to be a bad film if he thinks he's making an epic like um like james Wynn, the director of birdemic he thinks he's hitchcock he thinks he's making the greatest (laughs) film of all time yeah when we were making birdemic did you tell him that he wasn't at any point oh i know i fully i fully embraced it and i was like james (laughs) you're amazing took him around to all all the places where hitchcock was like born where he went to school i went to the same school as hitchcock by the way um, and hey, was that in that secondary school? No, um, no that's, La- where was, that's where he was born. But he went uh, to okay. school in numerous places. But one of the places he went to school was um, Salesian College in Battersea. Um, anyway, the um, uh, the the whole film is is ridiculous, and and I still can't tell if it's sincere, sincerely bad, or if it's kind of fake bad. But it's definitely worth a watch. It's one of those things where you kind of have a group of friends that come over, and you just uh, make them watch it with a few beers, and you'll probably like drift away from watching it but it's definitely something it's a talking point it's one of those talking point films um not very many people have watched it um what what's the view count on youtube can we can we check that live yeah yeah we can okay let's have a look Uh, so talk amongst yourself (coughs) probably edit that out (laughs) Uh, oh actually no i do know okay i'm just gonna get some yeah So it's actually been watched by over 600,000 people. Um, but you can tell... I was expecting a lot lower than that. Yeah. But it's a sign of quality when they've disabled the comments on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> they know. They know. Yeah. I think there was a lot of comments about the lead actress, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, that's available right now on YouTube. Once again, it's called The Time Machine. I found it at a yard sale. Uh, and... It, beca- it comes highly recommended if you're into curious stuff. If you're curious about people who are passionate about films, then I recommend. It. I don't like I don't like shitting on other people's films, but I think this is designed for you to shit on. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your first choice, Tom Dark? Uh, what to watch on Netflix? Okay. Well, I, I'm going to give you uh, uh, as the host. I'm going to yes. give you the choice. We can go documentary, yeah, uh, comedy, Ooh. or drama. Oh, like, no one's done this before. I like mm. this. Um, this is why you're the host of Monkey Tennis. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to go for comedy. Okay, brilliant. So uh, the first thing then that I want to talk about, and this is available on Netflix. I don't think it's available anywhere else. Yeah. Is uh, a stand-up comedy special called Thoughts and Prayers by an American comedian called Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, are you familiar with this guy at all, Jed? Have you heard I, of him um, I've seen this, and I've also seen him doing the comedy roasts. He's yeah. brutal. So, so I, I believe. So, this I was put onto this by a friend, Tom Doyle, um, and I hadn't heard of Jesselnick before at all. Yeah. He's like, "You've got to watch this. You're gonna absolutely love it." So, I think Jesselnick himself, he's famous from comedy roasts. I think are they on Comedy Central. Uh, comedy Central, yeah. And uh, he's one of the writers behind SNL as well. So yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how he's known. Um, I think he's got actually three specials or three kind of like recorded shows but it looks to me like there's only this one thoughts and prayers on netflix yeah the other three are actually on well 
the, the three including that one yeah the three shows are all on spotify so the thing it's that type uh, of comedy where it works just as well just listening yeah. to it because it's not like physical comedy yeah but yeah it's called thoughts and prayers um i and you know what i absolutely love it it's it's very un-pc it's very dark humor <laughs> and i think kind of how he works as a comedian what he's all about it's about kind of kind of testing the limits of what the audience will accept and what they're prepared to laugh at. Yeah. So it's kind of like laugh, laugh, laugh with him, jo- like join him for the ride or yeah. just like get out. Cause you're not, you're not yeah. going to like this. Yeah. Uh, it's very much not for the faint of heart. I would say, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I love kind of, I love this kind of dark Me too, humor yeah, yeah. as well. I mean, put, put it this all right. So I, I, cause I went back and listened to it the other day. So that's the thing. Cause you can listen to it as well. Yeah. I was out and about. And, um, you know, within the first 15 minutes of this show, he's talking about child abuse, dead babies, pedophiles, serial killers, Jokes about cancer, masturbation, you know, that yeah. that's been about the first 10 to 15 minutes yeah. of the show. So it very much sets sets, <laughs> sets the tone there. Um, I mean, I'd say probably the closest UK comedian comparison, I think, would be Frankie Boyle. Right, okay. Um, and, you know, it's the sort of thing like Ricky Gervais wishes he he would dare to be this dark, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's just, I mean, I just can't recommend it enough. I think it's, it's without a doubt, my favourite comedy special on Netflix. Oh, nice. I've and watched a, quite a lot of them recently. They've, they've gone through, they've, they've invested a lot into the comedy Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of the big names in, like, the, the Dave Chappelle ones, and there's great. a new Chris Rock one that just went up the other week. Which is also great. Yeah, and, and they're, they're all great, but I, I think, like, for me, they're like, it's all about Jessenick's delivery. It's mm-hmm. like he, it's ice cool. Yeah. And also he's such a narcissist. So yeah. he's always telling the, telling the audience how good his jokes are. <laughs> yeah. But Breaking it's just like, bit, yeah. you could watch something like that and be like, you know what? I, I hate this guy. He loves yeah. himself. But it's like the delivery of the punchlines is just flawless. Mm-hmm. So like you, you can't hate him because yeah, it's yeah. like, he's like a perfect, kind of like a perfect comedian. Like you can't help but not be caught by the jokes it's yeah. like i've either watched this or listened to this more times than i could even count and it's yeah. like i never fail to, to i never not i never i never fail to laugh at it yeah 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 like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. like it's and even though i know what the jokes are it's just like it's just because the way the way he times it it's just, it's just so good so yeah i mean i would say it's probably my favorite stand-up set of kind of like i'd say modern times i don't know wow, what, i don't okay. know what period that's, i'm putting that's that in. a big i don't know what period i'm putting that into yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know i'm a big fan of stand-up comedy whether it's you know, whether it's Stuart Lee or, um, or Conchie, <laughs> <Yeah. Um, laughs> Stuart Lee, basically, but you, you know, from like Stuart Lee, Nick Helm, Frankie Boyle, like, I love people like that. But yeah. then, you know, I equally, I'm a big fan of someone like Tim Vine as well. It's yeah. just like simple, effective comedy. So as much as a lot of Jessenick stuff is kind of a bit edgy and, uh, and dealing with like dark subject matter, so still a lot of it is just basic wordplay. Yeah. So it might not be as silly as someone like Tim Vine, but it's still kind of like, just making the jokes around you, you j- j- just clever use of words, yeah. really. It's I've, just I've brilliant. A, can I test a joke out on you? Uh, oh, God. Yep. Um, what do you call a dog who can do magic? What do you call a dog that can do magic? Yeah. I don't know, Jed. What, can you, what do you call a dog that can do magic? A labracadabrador. That is... I should get... Netflix, they're, they're going to get me to be have a special... I really don't think Based on the joke. I, really <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about one of my favourite comedy specials and you've come in. Yeah, that's why like I said that. the joke, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's much better than that. Um, I mean, I, I, I also, I made a note of a quote that um, 
uh, towards the end of the set. So uh, Justinick says, I like to test myself by joking about horrible things and nothing but. It's one of my favourite ways to test myself. It's to make jokes about tragedies the day they happen. I don't believe in too soon. I'm on a tight schedule. And that kind <laughs> of leads great, into yeah. like where the where the thoughts and prayers title comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a bit of a commentary on when it, uh, if an, kind of an atrocity or some kind of terrible incident happens, this kind of what you see this people just tweeting oh thoughts and prayers to the victims yeah. of X and he's people don't do that anymore have you noticed people don't yeah, put that, prayers that has started it's my I, thoughts with a family my I mean th- I mean this show itself is from 2015 so it's it's interesting kind of this this thoughts and prayers movement like there is a bit of a debate around the fact that obviously it's not useful it doesn't help yeah. um so there, there's a, I mean I, I don't want to give away kind of like any of the centerpieces of of the routine and where it goes but yeah. that's kind of that's kind of like the crescendo of the piece. Mm-hmm. And then there's also an amazing thing about uh, what we'll just refer to as Shark Party, um, which again, I, I don't remember that. I don't, I, I don't want to say too much about that yeah. because it, it, it's a brilliant ending. And basically he, he's got a bit about, you know, the, the relationship of kind of how humans are decimating the shark population, but how many humans get killed by sharks per year is mm-hmm. actually such a small amount. Yeah. Um, so he had his own show on Comedy Central himself, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he did. Which yeah. was called... I think it was, oh yeah, I think it was called the Jesselnick Offensive, which was in <laughs> 2013. Yeah. So it's all kind of tied into that. So what I will say, when he talks about this shark party and he's, he does say in the show, oh, you can't find it anywhere online, did I? You can. So it's well oh, okay. worth, after you've watched the special, do go and watch. Just Google shark party. D- 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 well, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to find it. And, okay. and it's exactly like how he describes it. So it's, it kind of sounds right. sexual. So it, it's not sexual. Okay. It's, it's sure? not a sexy party. Okay. It, Put your safe, it, safe search on guys, just in case. It's a shark based party, not a sex based. But, uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. He is brilliant. I think he's touring. I think he's touring this year. It's in so the like, UK or? Yeah. I, they haven't announced dates, but he did say it's going to be Europe as dates as well. Yeah. So hopefully that means he'll have a new, I think there's going to be a Netflix special off the back of that tour mm-hmm. as well. So I, I can't wait for that. Just because in mind, what, what do you think of Amy Schumer and her like stand up stuff? And she's been accused of plagiarism quite a lot and her humor is a little bit, I don't know, stolen, but, um, <laughs> and rubbish. <laughs> uh, I've, the bits of it I've seen is just a bit like, it's a bit meh. It's a bit, it's a bit obvious, and it's just not. Yeah, great. it's a shame. I, I like her TV show, The Inside Amy Schumer. It's genuinely really good. Like the sketches are really. Good. I mean, some of them again, she's accused of plagiarism quite a lot. Um, but her stand-up just doesn't have the same effect. It's a real shame because mm. I, th- I actually maybe one of the few people that think she is a, a real talent. I think she is. She just she, hasn't had the right project she yet. She did. She did the O2, didn't she? Like tickets did were she? crazy money and stuff. Wow, right? I knew okay. a few people that went, and they were. Yeah, they were quite disappointed, I think. So, really? Yeah. Was it the leather tour? Was that what it was called? Oh, God, I've got no idea. She like, wore a leather suit. Um, but, uh, yeah, Anthony Jeselnik, though. I recommend okay. him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know this is what to watch on Netflix, but yeah. also what to listen to on Spotify. I would say, yeah. watch this one special on Netflix, and mm-hmm. if you like that, there's another two on Spotify to listen to. Can't recommend it yeah. enough. I love stand-up on, on Spotify. Um, my, my go-to, well... It previously was a, a Bill Cosby special, but I will not. Li- I will not listen. I will. I must say, I will not listen Bill to Cosby, Bill Cosby. Clapton. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I will not listen to a stand-up anymore, even though there are some great ones. Um, but uh, the one I actually go to quite a lot is um, Victoria Wood has two stand-up mm-hmm. specials on, great, um, on yeah. Spotify, and the girl is a genius. The, yeah. the woman is a genius. Um, taken from us too soon, and she maybe didn't get 
she didn't do that much in her later years, obviously dinner ladies and a couple of things here and there, but she's an absolute genius. And there's, I mean, even though some of the references in her stand up, because it's from like uh, the eighties and um, things like Spudgy like, do you ever see Spudgy like anymore? Do you remember that? Spudgy like? Really is. is that it like was, Smash? No, Spudgy like was a fast food restaurant. Oh God, uh, I've got no idea then. For potatoes. They just did um, Jack and Potatoes called Spudgy Like. <laughs> that, that sounds right. Come on, you, you know Spudgy Like. Um, it was a, maybe it was a South London thing, I don't know. Um, but she'd always go on about Spudgy Like and like Woolworths and Pick and Mix and stuff like that. I loved it. Anyway. I do remember Woolworths, if that helps. <laughs> you do, yeah. Uh, also, sadly, taken from us too soon. <laughs> um, let's go on to my second choice of what to watch on Netflix. And that is a documentary that is currently on Netflix, which is great because it's got the <laughs> name of the yeah. um, and this is called uh, The Strange Name Movie and I like to watch basically everything on Netflix um, and especially the documentaries I think they've, they're have they really good at, with documentaries Amazon if you go on, on Amazon Prime and you look at the documentaries 75% full of crap the documentaries on Netflix almost all gold um, and I I think there's an interesting discussion point, maybe yeah. a, a, a longer segue at another time, but yeah. I think there's a very interesting discussion to be had around the amount of documentaries that are on Netflix these days, because they, they, they become very in vogue, so things like Cowspiracy and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I actually haven't watched it, but... <laughs> I need to watch that. But, for the name. but the thing being that these become these like zeitgeist documentaries, yeah. and people go, oh my God, you've got to watch this, have you seen this? So many, this means though. this thing is bad, you can't do that anymore, yeah. you can't trust these people, da, da, da. and it's just like... Yes, but then I think what people forget is like you are basically watching an element of propaganda. Like, oh, totally. The documentary yeah, yeah, yeah. is there to tell a version. Like Icarus, for instance. Russians are probably nice people. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, well, well it, I think it's about Ic- Icarus, which is an amazing film, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. I think that's a bit different because that's kind of telling a story. It doesn't really have an agenda so much apart from saying Russians are cheats well it also does say that the Americans <laughs> cheated as well so yeah. it's kind of so ev- everyone's bad everyone's a cheat but it, it's more kind of like the that those sort of kind of uh, there are, I think there are quite a lot that have Loads inspired people ones. into veganism and stuff like that which yeah. is like it's fine but then you, then what you find is you get people that go on a bit of a crusade like oh you've got to watch this documentary it's yeah, all yeah, about yeah, that yeah, and it's yeah. been like why are you in that yeah, sausage but, ob- but obviously they've made these things look bad because that is their agenda. Yeah, I just yeah, think yeah. people are losing sight of that, which I just think is quite interesting. Yeah. Well, this doesn't really have a political kind of like slant to it. This is oh great. So ignore all that. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> this is just about people with weird names. Now, Tom Dark. Hello. Um, how growing up with the name Dark, mm. have you ever come across anything, any issues with that? Has anyone ever said, "Oh, Dark, that's a weird surname"? Uh, I think probably the the best slash worst thing is like at, at, in the primary school years, people go, "Oh." You're not very light, are you? And it's like, oh, that's... Jesus Christ, that's awful. <laughs> um, no, I, I, think, I think, to be honest, I mostly just get, oh, that's a cool name, and you go, yeah. thanks a lot. Do they think you it's know? like a stage name or something? <laughs> Maybe, but I can I can confirm it. It's not a stage name, it's yeah. real. It's not a pseudonym. Because like, people think, like, Jed Shepard, it sounds like it's like a pseudonym. It sounds a little bit like that. And yeah. I mean, you've got Tom Stab, obviously, that that's his stage name. I don't know why he chose that, but that's like, what he went for. So. On Monkey Tennis, we've got Tom Stab and Tom Dark. Two Toms, a Stab, stab in, in the, the dark. dark. Yeah. It's mental. Um, but yeah, just having like strange names can sometimes either help you if you're like a pop star or something, or can hinder mm. you if you're like a normal person on the street. And this documentary is about how normal people deal with having strange names. For instance, there's a guy on the interview in this called Harold Schmuck. Now imagine going through school having a surname Schmuck. 
Yeah, that, that's pretty bad, I think. Particularly in America, where schmuck is a bit more of an insult. Yeah. Isn't it? Or like, um, there's a lady, and her name's Linda Slutsky. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. And like, imagine like being in, in school and, and the school register goes up and you're just scared that if they're going to call out your name, you're scared at any point in your life that someone's going to say your name out loud because um, it's going to have people like laughing at you. Um, so yeah, so they interview maybe like 20, 25 people about living their life with these weird names. Sometimes it's for their benefit because there's a guy called studly um and so he feels he has to live up to the name of being a stud so he's like he's always like do you feel like you need to live up to the name of being a shepherd yeah well that's what um, there's loads of sheep in this room just you know i have to look after them um and yeah so so it's kind of um the kind of things that we don't even think about like the problems that people have which you think first world problems but it's thing it it can really affect your life and send you into deep depressions um there's someone also which which is great there's a guy called donald trump um heard of that guy yeah. Oh, another one. Another oh, one. Um, but he has quite a high flying. He's like a quite a high flying businessman as well. So every time he answers the phone, it's like Donald Trump. People think he's joking. So it can affect you, you your life. You kind of want to change your name, wouldn't you? You yeah. would, yeah. Um, if you could change your name, what would you change it to? I just wouldn't change it. No, no. You've got such a good name. Yeah. You've got such a good name. It's, it's it's not Thomas Stark, is it? Or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is mean, it? So you've kind of changed your name. You have changed the name. Well, I mean, I've not changed it. It's just... Does anyone ever call you Thomas? Very occasionally. Someone must have called you Thomas the Tank Engine when you were little. Oh, probably. I mean... Okay. So don't pretend you didn't have a bad childhood. I've just... just, Oh, uh, I had a bad childhood again. I just don't want to talk about it now. Another podcast. This is a (laughs) hard-hitting... Podcast. This you're trying to like do a Jeremy Paxman on me, or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this is um, it's it's a kind of a, a side of society that I'd never thought was interesting uh, because having a I don't have a very normal name and having a name called like Jed brings the same problems because like I've never met another Jed until a few weeks ago <laughs> where I was getting a coffee at this coffee stall in uh, Deptford Market and I heard someone say Jed. And then the guy at the coffee stall answered, and I was like, oh, no, I think, <laughs> and I was like, no way. And I was like, um, You nearly get yourself a free coffee. Well, this thing, I, and I said to him, is, is your name Jed? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, my name was Jed. And he was like, no way. And then he called his mum. He was like, mum, I found another Jed. Okay, I think that reaction is weirder than the rest of the story. It is, it is yeah. weird. But you, you are witness to my obsession with other Jeds because I. I'll tell you now. In our monkey tennis WhatsApp chat, um, I think I cut and paste, or I gave you a screenshot of me emailing the guy who runs Jed.com. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a website. You guys check it out I yourself. About that, yeah. There's there's a website called Jed.com, Jed.com where a guy somewhere in like the deep south of America collates everybody called Jed and does a profile <laughs> about them and and he writes so he writes like what Jeds are up to like around the world. And like, um, but I basically wanted to buy Jed.com off him, um, and he would not. Not for sale. He would, I'm, I'm wait till he dies, it's fine. Um, and then he, um, he basically said, oh, well, can I do a profile on you? I'm like, yeah, as long as I can write it. So I'm, I've, I've taken a little bit of time, but I'm going to write the most epic Jed profile. And basically, it's like Highlander. There can be only one. I will destroy every Jed that I meet. That is my life's mission. 
Um, so if you listen to this, your name is Jed, I will destroy you. Except for that coffee guy, because he, he's a nice guy. So that is the Strange Name movie. Have we gone off on a slight tangent? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> on my how, crusade. How, how much of this do you normally edit out before you put it live? Uh, it's all going in. No edits. Um, so yeah, so this is uh, the Strange Name movie, available on Netflix right now. And just the best thing about it is, you can kind of sit back and relax knowing that you're not as disadvantaged as these people you might have a life where you i don't know you get paid a cut or like you don't like your job these people 24 7 have to live with something that is the bane of their life it's like being married so that is <laughs> so that is my second choice of what to watch on netflix tom dark what is your choice of what to watch on netflix uh well well jed i i, I this choice is partly yours we can still go great. documentary or drama this is this right. Do I go documentary? I'm guessing. Oh, do I go drama? What fiction, non-fiction? Let's go drama. Let's let's end on the documentary. Okay, we're going drama. Well, okay. okay so when you um, when you introduced the show, you talked about the kind of like maybe maybe we're gonna kind of uh, bring the lesser known things on Netflix to people's yeah. attention. This one, I would think. A lot of people will have heard about it, but mm-hmm. I just, it's probably the most recent series that I finished watching and I okay. absolutely fell in love with it. Um, it's The End of the Fucking World. I haven't um, seen it. Have you actually, have you genuinely I, I really seen do, it? Yet? Yeah, people have oh recommended it to me. Okay. It's, so it's tell me about so it. Sell it to me. <coughs> I've got a lot to watch, Tom. Okay. So, um, The End of the Fucking World, I think, you know, if anyone's got a Netflix account, they've probably yeah. had emails about it. They've probably seen yes. it on the front page. <laughs> yeah. You've probably had friends talking about it on social media and stuff yeah. like that. Yes. So I think. I think originally it was on Channel 4 over here, or maybe E4 or something. Oh, it was on I, I, saw it, I saw it listed on like the All 4 kind of website. Is it like, British? It is British, oh, yes. Oh, wow, okay. So that's also the thing, and that's something I was going to talk about, that I wasn't too sure. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw it listed then, because it's basically you've got two quite young lead characters. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit like, mm, is that kind of, looks like it's a bit for kids, you know, <laughs> kind of like the way it's like marketed, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And you know, it's a bit of a, it's almost a bit of a juvenile title, the end of the fucking world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't watch it when it was on the all four, um, app or website, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then I had a few people say, no, it's on Netflix. Has anyone seen this new thing on Netflix? It's really good. Yeah. And yeah, oh, it, it's amazing. So it's, it's an eight part, it's an eight part series. Okay. Uh, so it's based on, uh, a graphic novel of the same ah, name, The okay, End of the Fucking right. World. Yeah. And I think, I probably should have checked this before I sat down. That's all right. Um, I think there was a pilot. I think if you look on IMDb, I yep. think there was a pilot that Channel 4 made, which okay. is basically like, or was it like a film version? There basically, there is another version. Right. Um, but I mean, this, this is fantastic. So, okay. you're so what's it about? I'm guessing it's about the end of the world. Well, well, it's not. Okay, oh. so that that's it. In, in fact, that I was speaking to Monkey Tennis's Tom Stab, yeah, and he he was like, oh, I'm, he was kind of just winding me up, going, oh, you won't like it because like I'm saying, I've got like a short attention span with these sort of yeah. shows, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, if it's a dystopian like kind of fiction, that's, I'm I'm going to be well into that. He's like, yeah. no, it's got nothing to. do. It's not like apocalyptic. Really? Okay, that's disappointing. So, I mean, I think the the title is it is kind of from a team perspective, like yeah things that are happening being the end of the fucking world um so basically right. you've got these these two young characters that meet each other at school so you've mm-hmm. got um so you've got the the main male lead a guy called james played by alex lawther i think okay. it's pronounced and alicia played by jessica barden i think right. it's barden as opposed to barden um and basically they're they're like they're 17 and they meet in school basically uh it's very very quickly teed up that james is 
pretty much got psychopathic tendencies. This isn't giving anything away because it's like in the first like few minutes, it's like he talks about like killing animals and that he wants to go mm. on to kill a person. So they meet oh. at school and I think she's just like had an argument with her friends and like smashed her phone and stormed off. And it, so it's basically like because they're both a bit weird and kind of like outcasts, yeah. they kind of, they make a bit of a bond. Mm-hmm. But then the James character, so they they both have voiceovers, which is really nice. So they've got you, you'll hear you'll see them talk to each other, but then you'll get a voiceover of what they're actually thinking. Uh, right, so they kind right. of befriend each other very early on in the first episode, and then James is like basically like he's like right, I found the human that I'm going to kill. So you're yeah. like fuck it, oh, this I, is, can, I can see that. Coming. So so yeah. immediately within like the first five minutes, you're like okay, this is quite, this is going to be quite a fucked up and dark show. Yeah. This is absolutely not what I was expecting. Um, and there are lots of kind of like quite gory cutaways of like oh, nice. him like uh, in uh, killing animals or kind of like just imagining killing uh, Alicia um, stuff like that so quite quickly you're kind of like you're just kind of like oh okay this is not kind of like this isn't skins or something you know this is like two quite disturbed teens that have befriended each other and you're kind of like what the fuck is going to happen next yeah so and so it sounds right on my screen in fact it sounds it, it, it sounds like it's because I mean, I think we can all empathise with like being like the, um, not the weirdo in school, but you know the kind of like not the the, the most popular kind of kid in school. Um, but also, if there's like messed up bits, that's right on my screen as well. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is that kind of thing. You you kind of got these kind of outcast teens, and what it reminded me a bit a bit of was actually uh, Submarine. So uh, oh, like okay. the, the Craig Roberts character in Submarine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I thought I thought the James character in this to begin with. I was a bit like, okay, I think they're quite similar. And I think, and this is what I was just going to check, mm-hmm. I think actually the IMD, uh, if I'd go to IMDb, I yeah. think the kind of pilot version of um, The End of the Fucking World yeah. was, I think Craig Roberts might have been in it. Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Maybe he's a bit uh, too old now for it. Yeah, so it's, what does it say here? T- TV movie 2014. Oh. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, Craig Roberts was in it. So that's quite interesting okay. from a casting point of view. Um, it's fair to say there definitely are similarities. And Jessica Barden was, uh, in the, um, was she but, in the pilot as well? Yeah. So oh, what does okay. it say? It's a short film that became the pilot for the TV series. Right. So, right, right okay. Nice. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to the Netflix. Watch. So yeah, it's like you, you're kind of immediately like drawn in because you're like, okay, these characters are really like, they're odd, they're weird. They're, 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 they're dark, fucked up individuals in like all these various ways. And the fact that you're getting this voiceover, which can kind of conflict with what you're seeing on screen, I just thought was brilliant. Nice touch. Um, yeah. so it's got that kind of young, awkward quirkiness of something like submarine, but then you've also got this weird thing where you can't immediately place where they are. Like, is it in the UK? Is it in America? Because interesting. The, the, for the, I think it's done on purpose or? I think so. It's right. kind of, I mean, it very much is in the UK. And as, yeah. the, as the series progresses, you can tell that. But personally, I found like, probably the first half of the first episode mm-hmm. until I think they get to the suburbs and you're like, you know that you're in Britain yeah, yeah, yeah. until that point. Cause you see them at school and stuff where you've just seen some interiors. It almost made me think of it's got, there's almost a vibe to like a bit of a Fargo type world okay. or a bit of an Americana thing where, you know, or kind of like American Midwest of like just kind of weird spaces. And, yeah. and even, even as it becomes quite evident, that you are that you are in the UK, not in America. You still like 
further throughout the series you get these kind of these these wide open spaces mm. and th- these kind of strange spaces that kind of call to mind like american midwest or yeah these kind of big desolate kind of expanses and i actually i think a lot of it was filmed in kent possibly okay but even with it's regards quite a dystopian area <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but e- even with regards to like the, the the way it's shot and i think deliberately so it's like alicia is got a northern a- alicia has a northern accent james has got a southern accent so it's yeah. not specifically situated anywhere yeah yeah so i I like the fact it exists in this kind of that's cool this weird place that's kind of between a lot lot of things so it 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 just all adds to like a slightly uneasy atmosphere where you just don't really know where this story is going to take you um and one of the things that i loved about it as well kind of each episode you'll kind of start with some kind of element of kind of high drama Mm -hmm. and then then the episode will then kind of start and come back to that so Without giving too much away, there there is. I think maybe in episode two or three, mm-hmm. it starts with there's been a car there's been a car accident. There's right. been a, the car's crashed into a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's kind of then the episode will kind of like start properly, yeah. And you'll then get the story over twenty minutes up to how that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's yeah. quite a kind of like flashback yeah. loop for each for each episode. Yeah. Uh, oh, each episode's okay. about twenty minutes as well. Oh, really? So I mean, oh, I, I, can I watched this. the whole thing over a weekend. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, you could probably do it all in one sitting. It's just a bit like a long film. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's great. It's, it's, it's dark, but it's funny. Uh, it's pretty gruesome. Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a few bloody moments in it and stuff. Um, I'll but yeah, definitely check it don't, out. Don't want to give too much away because again, I, I kind of watched it not knowing anything about it. And I think that's kind of the best way to do it, really. Awesome. Um, also worth saying there's some great cameos. I won't reveal what they are, but yep. there are some really great cameos okay. I enjoyed. Uh, the locations, like I said, are amazing and it's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. It's just, like that uh, favorite shot of mine. There's a bit where they're on the beach and it's just beautiful. So it's the whole thing is just like a joy to watch from oh, start to great. finish. So, um, uh, well, yeah. um, that's gone right to the, to either the top two in my list because I do have a You'll probably things. watch it all tonight. Now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much. That's, that's a great second choice and that's available currently on Netflix. Um, Probably worldwide. Do you think it's? I think it is worldwide. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, and before we get on to the next selection, Tom Dark has brought me a My Little Pony Kinder Egg. Uh, yeah, I mean I... Easter's a, <laughs> Easter's quite soon, right? Uh, is it? No, not really. But never mind. Yeah. So it's pink and it has a uh, a My Little Pony. It's time for a Kinder Egg break. So yeah. I've got myself a normal. You got egg. a legit Kinder Egg. Why? Yeah. Why have you got me a My Little Pony one? I thought you'd just like a bit more quirky, a yeah, bit, yeah, a bit no, more like you. It. I thought yeah. you'd like that. Okay. So Ooh, that's bit, exciting. Look, that's half black, half, half white. Yeah. So it's very, very um, good. It doesn't discriminate. That's yep, good. That's good. So I'm just opening it now. And the reason why we're doing this live is because I want to see what's in inside. I'll eat that chocolate in a bit. What's inside? And I, I guess it's going to be My Little Pony, right? I mean, I think it should be. That would kind of defeat the object otherwise, wouldn't I it? I know. It's, wow, what is this? It is a what is that? My Little Pony notebook. A tiny that one. Is a small- <laughs> that is the tiniest <laughs> that notebook. That is the smallest notebook I've ever seen. That that is great. That's for uh, Sir Jeremy Beadle to, to write his notes in. Thanks very much, Tom Dark. Absolute pleasure. I've got what some got? kind of toy car with wings, and I've just dropped half it on the. Floor. That looks awful, by the way. But Do you remember when you used to get like turtles and things? Then that uh, is just it's just not good. And oh, I think the wings might move. That is awful, and that looks like the spaceship from um, the time machine that I found in the yard sale. Uh, <laughs> um, well, Maybe that's me. where they got the idea from. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's swiftly on to the final choice of what to watch on Netflix. 
my final choice is something that you may know a lot about, Todd, because Tom Dark, you work uh, for a big music company. I could neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> and uh, it's not this particular music company that I'm about to talk about, because this is, uh, is a documentary, and it's about Stiff Records. It's called If It Ain't Stiff, It Ain't Worth a Fuck. Fantastic. From 1977. Have you seen this documentary? Uh, no, but I mean, I, I know a bit about Stiff. Like, I actually wo- weirdly worked on... Um, do you remember a band called The Enemy? Yeah. Or weirdly, terrible. I mean, they're terrible band. <laughs> terrible, but, but weirdly, sorry. their um their first single was released on like we we revived the Stiff Records imprint. Again? Did you? Yeah. You revived Stiff Records for, for The Enemy. I know. So weird. I, I don't even know. That is the worst. But, legacy then, but then I think the rights to Stiff were bought up by Universal or something like that. So. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I absolutely bloody not, love not Stiff the best, Not the best story, was no, it? <laughs> it wasn't, no. But, but that meant that we made the t-shirts again. So the t-shirts are quite iconic, quite classic, just with the logo and if it and stuff. It do, you still have, do you still have some? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this um, is a documentary. It originally came out in 1977. Um, and you can watch the whole thing on Amazon Prime right now. Um, I was going to, I heard about it. I was like, I want to watch this. And I thought, okay, YouTube was my first bet where to watch it. But then I kind of Googled it and it's on Amazon, which is great. And it is about the story of the legendary record label, uh, Stiff Records. And it's a following uh, one single UK tour of five of their bands. So they got five of their artists together. Um, in one really cramped coach to go to the shittiest venues around the UK. And it is, and the bands involved, Tom Dark, and see, see if you like these. Uh, so probably the most famous, uh, person, um, on this tour and the person that almost kind of made stiff records is Elvis Costello. Big fan of Elvis Costello. He's yeah. amazing. And it, he, and this, this is him in 1977 mm. when he's like a precocious, almost like a kid. I mean, it was, it was relatively old and he, you could tell that the other bands are really raucous rock and roll. They want to smash things up, drink and stuff, and like get with girls. Elvis Costello was there playing charades with like like his friends in in, in the um in the coach. Um, but he's really the star of the show. And interspersed between them, them kind of stopping at like petrol stations or like service stations on the motorway, um, and them just kind of like drinking. You get um, actual performances on stage. Elvis Costello in 1977. He. he he was amazing. Um, his kind of stage persona was incredible. And the audience was going, what? I didn't realise the audiences went mega, mega wild for Elvis Costello. Um, the other bands were Ian Drury and the Blockheads. Again, amazing band. Ridiculously good. Um, and I, I, I haven't really found out what stage um, Ian Drury um, was with the Blockheads, if they were like massive at this point. Have you have you seen, quite uh, sidebar, have you seen yeah. Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll? I love it. Love yeah, it. that's a great film. So yeah. good. Yeah. That's uh, Andy Circus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brilliant. But yeah, I mean, I think he must have looked at this documentary because he, having Ian Drury and Elvis Costello in the same documentary, just them performing together on stage at some mm. point as well, it's just such a find to, to see this. And just seeing them interact with each other, like messing around with each other, pranking each other. Um, and there are some other bands involved as well, but not, not as big as those two. And and so was this, this is all shot in in 70s yeah this isn't like they've gone back and made this no, recently no, no. with archive footage it's all this set in 1977 yeah as it was back then there was a so camera did, crew does that mean did stiff records film it themselves do yes. you think yeah okay. i think cool. so um it was directed by um a guy called nick abson um i don't know if he was like, friends with stiff records or whatever but i mean it's, it's quite crudely done it was just like it felt like it was a really nice camera because it's very well shot it was obviously a like 60 millimeter camera um 
and just some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff is just just absolutely gold. Um, a bit like when we uh, behind the scenes stuff at Monkey Tennis, really. Oh, it's um, wild. <laughs> um, but you just just have them kind of like um, interacting with each other, like thinking up lyrics for each other's bands and stuff. And um, it's just it's just really incredible. And the the, the best kind of thing about uh, uh, Nick Habson after he did his documentary is he went on to direct episodes of Countdown. So you, so you can, <laughs> that's one hell of a career arc yeah so you went from like being rock and roll kind of raw documentary to doing countdown it's just kind of a similar vibe i guess but um yeah this is probably like oh, the same day i watched the beatles documentary that's on on netflix which i mean everyone knows the, the beatles story yes they're great yes the world went wild but i found this documentary um this for Bastiff records much 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 better because these characters are just so so cool and interesting. And do you think because well. it, it's it's a less it's a less known story? Yeah, and it's kind of probably less known footage and stuff. So you're probably learning more about a world that you didn't really really yeah. know. Like the business has been documented so many times with like that docu- uh, the anthology series. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, as well, yeah. I mean, and it's just the fact that I, I love stiff records. Like, and in, in, I mean. A decade after this, they did stuff like Curse and McCall and and, and people like that, who I just love. Um, and yeah, just just really really well made, and it just ends on a big um, song with them all coming out on stage and singing together, and it's just so rapturous. And um, I just think this, if you're if you're into music and you're into film, this is both of them together. That's it, and it's a and it's really really great. Um, and if I was to make a music documentary, this would be my template. Just have, it just seems so much fun. Intersperse your documentary about boring subjects with actually live footage, <laughs> um, and go into places like, um, Halifax and things and, and just, just having fun with, on, in a low key. I mean, you've, you've done a lot of, you've been with a lot of bands on tour, right? To like shitty places. Yeah. Do you do that kind of thing? Um, who, who, who's the kind of the best, band stroke artist you've worked with in a sh- and gone to a shitty place with them which is kind of well I, I just think you have that whole you have the whole toilet circuit don't you where like the venues are a bit small and a bit grossy but that's often where you get like the best gigs the yeah. most exciting gigs it's like i think the first time i saw foals they were doing so they, they were bigger that they were bigger than the venue already they were yeah, doing an yeah. mtv a gig for mtv in like i think york fibbers which is a <laughs> yeah, tiny little yeah, venue yeah. so like foals are already bigger than that so yeah. to see them somewhere small like that where you basically got sweat dripping down onto the ceiling and like Yanis yeah. kind of like kicking a side door open and going out of his guitar and circling the venue and coming back around the front door like, yeah I mean Yanis stuff like is that is amazing yeah. I, I met him when he was in the Edmund Fitzgerald the oh, band yeah. before yeah, yeah. Folds yeah. um, I think better than Folds to be honest um, and yeah I mean uh, I just think music documentaries are, I, I, I seek out the best ones. I, I constantly want to learn about music yeah. and, and just, and I love documentaries. So having like two of my favorite subjects, film and music together, is just, I, th- I think, like, I think the same. Like I, I love a music documentary about, about maybe a genre or, 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 or a time that I don't really know that much about because yeah. it's such a great way to learn. And, but you know, you could have very boring, quite placid ones, but when you get one that's good, it's really amazing. Which is great, because that leads us into your next choice, which I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, perfect. It's almost like you planned this. Yeah, almost. Um, so, yeah, uh, my third and final choice uh, for this week's episode um, is a four-part documentary series on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution. Always wanted to see this. Yeah, so, uh, again, it, it's something that I've watched uh, probably most recently, 
but I think for about probably the last year, people have been recommending it to me, knowing that I'm a fan of hip hop and stuff. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's great. I mean, I've seen a lot of different hip hop documentaries over the years and something that I really remember as a bit of a benchmark. There was a Channel 4 series back in like the early 2000s called The Hip Hop Years. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which, which was really good. But, um, this is great because it kind of tells a bit of a different, different story because as the title says, it's hip hop evolution. So it's mm-hmm. very much telling the story about the birth of the culture yeah. and kind of like where it came from. So it's only really telling the story from like the late seventies up to like the early nineties before yeah. it became the fully fledged mainstream music genre that we, that we know it is today. Yeah. Really? Um, so yeah, like the, the first episode, I'll just give a brief overview of what the, what the four episodes are about really. Um, so the first episode is very much about the birth of it as a, as a form of music. So they, a lot of the, most of the time in this episode is spent dealing with what, uh, what are referred to as the Holy Trinity of hip hop. So Cool Herc, Africa Bambata and Grandmaster Flash. So you basically got in the, the backdrop of the early seventies. You've got, you've got the disco kind of hedonism of Manhattan versus areas of the Bronx basically just being set on fire. Yeah. on a daily basis so in in this kind of like mix that's where you get like the birth of hip-hop happening so cool herc used to have these block parties in in like 1973 where he'd play drum drum breaks of funk and soul records uh which kind of led to like people break dancing and then people would start emceeing over those sort of things but emceeing then was very different to what we know it as now it's yeah. more literally it's like you're comparing like a disco or like it's a bit like being a radio announcer but like with a bit of a kind of like smoother way of talking almost. Yeah. Um, when, and, does it show you when you get to the point where it's, where it's mostly like I went down the street and I saw well, I mean, that, that's kind of that is kind of where it where it starts okay. so yeah. that's kind of like within the first couple of episodes that's kind of what, what hip hop is really so you've got Cool Herc Africa Barbata who founded the Zulu Nation which is like a gang collaboration and, and helped Basically, the, the cultural movement that included DJing, uh, breakdancing, MC, MCing, and graffiti art, kind of like Bambata kind of like termed it hip hop and kind of helped make it become a cultural movement. And then Grand, Grandmaster Flash basically invented scratching. Yeah. So the idea about actually touching the records was mm-hmm. like a revolutionary idea. So he was the first person to basically make the turntable an instrument. So those are the three that you talk about in terms of the holy trinity of the, the foundation of hip-hop. Though African Bombata has obviously had some trouble recently, right? Uh, has he? I don't, I don't know. He's in a lot of trouble. Oh, God. <laughs> He's not, he... Um, I don't think he'll be doing any touring anytime soon, ever again, basically. Oh, God, what's he done? He... Know, <laughs> Basically, everyone involved with him has now disowned him, and um, his career is over, basically. Okay, so this might be the last documentary that you see him in. It genuinely will, unless there's a really bad one that comes out. But, I mean, that, that that's basically the first episode is really dealing, dealing with those. And it's just, you know, it's great because they've actually done the proper research where, like, you can tell this show has been made by people that love the world of hip hop. It's kind of, it's the world that they're in. So they've interviewed the right people and yeah, they're telling yeah. the right story. So ep- episode two is kind of, as it comes out of the underground to the mainstream. So you've got Grandma's Flash and the Furious Five kind of breaking out of New York Making City. Mainstream, yeah. uh, Sylvia Robinson putting together the Sugar Hill Gang. So Rapper's Delight came out in 1979, which is kind of like the first mainstream rap record. Mm-hmm. And kind of as, and like, it's quite cool. Like they, they break each episode down into kind of like sections. So they have like, 
they have a Sylvie Robinson section, they have an uptown to downtown section, which talks about kind of Keith Haring and punk and basically white people adopting it and Blondie adopting hip hop and how that took it to a mainstream audience. And then Planet Rock, the African Barbata track, sampling craft work, kind of showing there are no boundaries for what hip hop actually could be. Yeah. And then you get onto the message, uh, which was another Grandmaster Flash Furious Five song, which is seen as like the first reality rap song. Yeah. Which then takes Which is still great to this day. It's, it's, it's an just, amazing song. Yeah. It really is. And it, it's interesting how so, some of these older tracks really do still stand up. Um, episode three basically takes you through the eighties. So Russell Simmons being the first mogul of hip hop, um, Curtis Blow. And there's a brilliant story about how he broke his first record Christmas rapping, like how he found like a really influential New York DJ and got them to convince them to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the rise of Run DMC, Rick Rubin, LL Cool J, oh, Beastie Boys. I want to watch this now. There's a whole section about yeah. Walk This Way and there's brilliant footage of Run DMC and Aerosmith in the studio putting that track together. Um, and again, like if, if you're, if you're a proper hip hop head, like the fact that they interview Marley Marl and Big Daddy Kane and they, yeah. they, there's interviews with Ra Kim and kind of talking about him being considered to have the best voice and like, the fact that then it's like you know they, that's what I'm saying like they've interviewed the the right people the people yeah. that matter they haven't just gone oh let's talk to Tim Westwood and Vanilla Ice or something <laughs> like that you know it's like they've gone no, back that's and the actually documentary I want to see they've actually got all the real pioneers of the culture and it's kind of great that they've got them all together yeah in this time because a lot of them are really old and like yeah, maybe yeah. not that healthy and stuff so yeah it's kind of good to get them at a time when they're still alive yeah. basically did you watch the documentary uh, the Stretch and Bobito documentary um, no I've not seen that called Radio That Changed Lives no um, it's so Stretch and Bobito they were they, they ran one of the most important hip hop radio shows yeah Hot 97 uh, right yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um, and it's a documentary about them and them how they basically broke a lot of these mm. like early hip hop people yeah. and um, it's really really cool and a lot of the things you're saying right there um, is told in, in this documentary as well mm. um, so yeah that's a nice companion piece to, to this one yeah and I, I, it's probably just worth mentioning a bit about the last episode as well I think the last yeah. episode is probably my favourite mm-hmm probably because it had so much amazing archive footage that I'd never seen before. Yeah. So the la- the last episode is the fourth episode is kind of like basically the rise of gangster rap happening yeah. because you basically go from Eric B and Ra Kim and like the focus on lyricism leading to public enemy leading to like more politicized kind of like reality rap. Mm-hmm. And so there then the, you and you've had this it's moved from New York to LA as well. Yeah. So then you've got the world class wrecking crew which was uh, the band that Dr. Dre was in first yeah, of all yeah, yeah. Um, which was kind of all about just like party scene and basically like it was they, they call it almost like electro music so it's so different to what NWA became obviously yeah, yeah. but you've got you've got footage of Dre performing in World Class Wrecking Crew oh, wow. you've got really early footage of NWA doing tours there's interviews with Ice-T there's interviews with Schoolie D which again like he's such a legendary figure and he never does interviews yeah. normally so do they, they interview um, like Jerry Halliwell and stuff and, and, no, and no, so, <laughs> no, no Spice Girls at all no no none of those no Scary Spice or anything okay. because that, Wannabe but is, again that's the thing they, know, have, they haven't gone and just got random talking yeah. heads they, they've, they've gone to the people that created this music yeah, yeah, you know yeah. so again you, then you've got you know you've got the LA stuff with crack and gangs and then you've got like NWA happening you've got Dot Stray's The Chronic album happening and again there's amazing in studio footage of like Snoop Dogg just in the studio freestyling to the camera and it's just, it's just I haven't seen a lot of that yeah, proper yeah, archive yeah. footage um, and yeah I think you know it's something like the hip hop years that I talked about a minute ago it's like yeah. That, that, a lot of these documentaries, they do the kind of the usual thing where they go, oh, um, the message happened. Uh, then it was Run DMC. Yeah. And then they go on to, and then there was MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice. Yeah. And then Jay Z and Eminem happened. And then we're in 2018. Yeah, yeah. And it's what I really like is it takes a very concentrated look on 
where it actually came yeah. from. Yeah, and they actually have interviews with him. That's great. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, really good. And I think it's kind of, if you're a hip-hop fan, it's a really rewarding wa- yeah. watch. But if you're kind of just a bit more curious about hip-hop, and particularly the earlier stuff and the origins, it's still a really good watch as well. Yeah. So, yeah, recommend it. reminds me, have you ever read the uh, book, I think it's called Have Gun, Will Travel, which is uh, the Death Row Records book? Yes, I have, yes. It is one of my favourite music yeah. books ever. It's just ridiculous ridiculous what that record well, well, I, is. well I would say um, the, the best book I've read about hip hop yeah. I think is called The Big Payback okay which I, it's, it's, got, it's got a lot it has a lot in similarity with this documentary in terms oh, okay. of like the, the amount of depth it goes into and the guy that wrote that I forget his name that's right, he's, he's interviewed in this documentary ah, as well okay. so again you have a lot of the key journalists and authors yeah. from that period yeah. are in it as well so it's not just the creators of the music but it's the creators of the culture overall like they're all involved yeah. and it's hosted by a Canadian MC called Shad who's also really good yes. and again it, it, I quite like the fact that there is a bit of a presenter and a bit of a face to it okay. doing all the That's key good. interviews yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of it just being some random narration yeah, yeah. or something yeah. so uh, if someone was, wasn't into hip hop is this still an interesting watch yes I think I, th- okay. I think it is I mean I think you've maybe got to be a bit patient because maybe the first two episodes you're not going to know yeah like the people they're talking to but it's yeah. worth it because then it just make it just all makes sense when you watch all yeah. four of it all exactly. four bits together yeah awesome well thank you for your final choice of what to watch netflix Not and, a problem. and thanks very much for the my little pony kind- yeah i'm gonna make my kinder egg. Uh, kinder egg in a minute i think it's starting to melt <laughs> um it's just because anyone forgets um how can people contact you and where can they find what you're up to next is that me or monkey tennis me <laughs> both both <laughs> uh well you can get me personally on twitter is at tom dark uh instagram tom dark uh, and yeah, if, if you're gonna, um, delve into some monkey tennis episodes and why not, uh, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, me too. Um, and we're, we're also on, uh, Twitter at the Partridge Pod on mm-hmm. Instagram at monkey tennis pod. Yeah. And there is a new series of Alan Partridge out, uh, later on this year. Yeah. We don't know exactly when, but, uh, no. when it happens, we are going to be covering that extensively somehow as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, in the meantime, next week, so that should be Wednesday the 7th. Yeah. 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 It's a new series of Monkey Tennis covering mid morning matters because mid mornings really do matter. They Jess. do. And probably at the same time, probably on the same day, the new series of Smegheads with myself and Daniela, the Red Dwarf podcast uh, I mean, will be yeah. out too. I mean, you can listen to that, but I, I, I would go with Monkey Tennis. But- um yeah well thanks very much for 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 being on the show today tom dark we've been trying to get you on for ages it's been a long time coming you say say the best monkey tennis presenter till last yeah and the host as well the the actual host um and guys if you want to contact me you can do so in the normal places uh on twitter jed shepherd j-e-d-s-h-e-p-h-e-r-d i'm on instagram i haven't really posted very much recently smoke signal fax machine that's true post records post pop podcasts blah 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 that's what i've got ouija board right there tom yeah, I know. Yeah, and then I've got another yeah. one there as well, weirdly. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> well, thanks guys for listening. Um, thank you for telling your friends about me and this show. <laughs> Not How do you know anyone's a, told their friends about me? In a good way. I hope, if you've got to spread rumours about me, at least get your facts straight, okay, guys? Uh, all right, I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye. <laughs>